This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, with me as always are Dave and Scarlett. Guys, how's it going? I, I you know, again, yet again here. Uh, it's as true. Long as I keep getting invi- invited back. Scarlett, you're you're uh, you're rolling right now. I think your benevolent dictator uh, show from the last episode was uh, uh, had some high, really? high ratings. But, really, um, we had some uh, the 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 interweb approval rating was uh, was up there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, they're if, uh, they're pretty sure they want uh, Dave and me to both get fired. Absolutely. Just keep you. If 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 Nicholas Cage were back on Silent Live, you'd say that's wow. Great. Well, thank you, yes. thank you, Internet. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. I'm honored. It was an honor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. So I, I think we we we've got requests okay. for more of that. So you you've got to be uh, ready. Oh, I'll try to think of more ideas. Those might have been <laughs> the only ideas that I'll ever have in my whole life. So. Well, only the only thing I, br- I mean, we were just telling our guest who has not yet been introduced. The only thing I bring, well, I said the only thing I bring to this podcast is um, updating the gram, the Instagram. So I'll try to keep bringing ideas to <laughs> to um, so I don't get fired. That you know that is a good lead in because I don't know. Yeah, the listeners can <laughs> probably pick up who's running which at this point since we're talking openly about it, but. Uh, I'll do a quick intro and then we can uh, make sure everyone knows this. So Dan Darling, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm delighted to be here and uh, can check this off my bucket list now of, of career goals. So there's That's, that. That is what we're here for, right? For you in that. So no, no, Dan, you're a big deal. So let's not, uh, I, uh, we, we, we wanted to, have you on closer to the release of your next book, which we're going to talk about in a second, Away With Words. But um, but, but we just figured, you know, if we recorded this and they just released it in August when the book comes out, <laughs> I thought, um, hmm, what would we get wrong at that point? <laughs> that would be fun. It would and, be kind of amazing. Uh, and funny, uh, actually. Uh, well, no, dancers. We've we wanted to have you on for a while. We're just trying to figure out, okay, when's, when, when's good, but also we'd love to have you again, again after this. Um, for those of you who do not know Dan, I'll give you kind of a quick intro, but um, I certainly, since you're podcast listeners, I certainly hope you've heard his podcast, The Way Home, which is an excellent show. And Dan, you've been doing that for how long? For several years. I don't even know how many years. I think it's been like... At least three years, but okay, they all run together, you know. What have you learned by doing a podcast for that long? I mean, we've well, done first th- of all, I've learned that I love doing it. So, okay. you know, I just like I, I like learning from uh, interesting people. Uh, I like asking good questions. Um, I like, you know, just conversations. I'm I'm very extroverted, uh, and so it's just a great way to, to meet people around the country, leaders and interesting people. And uh, I also learned that, you know, people, it's interesting. Um, like not everybody, how should I say this? Not everybody can bring it on a podcast interview interview. You know what I'm saying? Like they could be a, they could be a great writer with an amazing book 
but they just may not be that good, you know, carrying a conversation. <laughs> uh, most people are, but there's sometimes people aren't. I, I'm feeling <laughs> judged right now. <laughs> Aaron, you can you can bring it. Okay. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, I feel better. It's okay. <laughs> but I know what you mean, though. I was listening to Eric Larson talk about Splendid in the Vile on hmm. Art of Manliness podcast a few weeks ago. I thought, man, that guy is such a great writer and storyteller, but he wasn't that great of an interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it was bad. Yeah. I just was like, come on, man. I know you can do better than this. I could tell he was struggling with talking points because he clearly did not want to reveal so much of the book. But um, so he was holding back on things and being really obvious about it. But there's a way to do that that's natural and fun that keeps people entertained and it's almost like you want to give them enough, but not too much because you do want to keep them kind of hooked into, Hey, listen, instead of keep saying you can reborn the book, he kept saying that. I'm like, no, we know, we know, you know, but, uh, so we, we have high expectations for you, Dan. All right. So give us a little bit, but not everything. Okay? No pressure though. Yeah. So this is a book I've been thinking about for a while. Um, you know, it's, it's the gist of it is, you know, like how do we, how to, as Christians, how do we behave online? Right. So like, there's a lot of books, really good books about technology and screen time, which are important and how to negotiate that with your family or, you know, take digital Sabbaths for yourself. How too much screen time is, you know, can be harmful. Although nobody's paying attention to that now because we're in the midst of this pandemic. And we're glued to our screens, but I, this is not that book. This is this is more or less saying, "Hey, look, the internet's going to be here to stay, um, and it's going to be a way that we communicate." Social media is not going anywhere, and so um, how do we negotiate that? And how do we act like Christians online in a in a way that's redemptive? Um, and so that's kind of where where I'm at. Uh, with with the book, I mean, look, we're not going to be Amish uh, and go back backward. So, how do we as Christians do this? I, I think one of the things we tend to do is forget that we're Christians when we're online. You know, like it's this kind of free space. So, I, I mean, I talk a lot about words, you know, and how like as really the, the the Christian story is really about words. I mean, we have a God who speaks. And part of what makes us unique as his image bearers is the fact that we communicate. I mean, you know, the rest of creation can kind of communicate, like animals can, you know, like a highly developed ape can maybe do sign language and a parrot can like mock the, or can, you know, do the words of, of its owner, maybe a few things, but communication really is something that is unique to uh, human beings. And so the Christian story is, one of, of words and speaking, you know, Jesus is called uh, the Logos, the word uh, we have. God has sp- spoken to us by his word. And so we're really, how does that inform the way we speak uh, uh, when we're online? So yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So Dan, how, how much of it was, um, well, how, how much of this is kind of trial and error in terms of how you've learned on social media? I think we're always trying, but does it ever feel awkward in the way you're trying to talk about complex subjects of faith or even just everyday life online? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's the one perspective I'm trying to take here is it's not like here's Dan from on high saying, here's how you should do it, but more or less, you know, I'm trying to learn too of what this looks like. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't, uh, done it perfectly all the time. In fact, I tell a few stories in there of the ways that I haven't, you know, for instance, I'll tell you one story. 2016 is, as you know, I think, you know, was a pretty contentious election. Mm-hmm. Was it? <laughs> um, and so at one point I had a conversation with a friend, we we're going back and forth and it, it almost like ruined our friendship. At one point I basically told him to, this is what's is my exact words. Put away the adult coloring books and start thinking for yourself is what I told them. Hmm. And then I had to go back and apologize and everything. But I kind of use that as an illustration of, of how we can all get carried away in our online engagement. Like if I look at old tweets from like election seasons and stuff, I feel like I um, did not always do it, do it well and do it right. So, so I, I think we need to have some grace and even handedness and even some contrition when we don't get it right. I also kind of look in this book at underneath the reasons that we do the things we do online. Right. So not just here's how to conduct yourself, but why do we get angry? Why do we, um, why are we tempted to, you know, cancel people or crush people? Why do we have to kind of be performative sometimes on Instagram with our life? What's underneath all that? So that that's kind of some of the things huh. I'm looking at. Wow. Was this, was this what kind of inspired you to write your, um, I guess it's been a couple of years ago, the dignity revolution. Cause I remember when that came yeah. out, I thought, yes. Like when I think of Dan, you're always one online to really point out like, Hey, listen, there's a better way to just have a conversation mm-hmm. about it and you treat each other with respect. Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes I need to look in the mirror and say, am I doing that? Right. But yeah, I think so. You know, Christians have this unique concept of dignity. So, and I think one of the hardest things for us to understand is that the Bible doesn't, isn't, you know, God is not just interested in that we uh, say the right things and get the truth right, but also in how we say it. Like there's a distinctly Christian way to say things. Um, Like you look at first Peter for three 15 talks about have an answer for every man that the hope that lies for the hope that lies within you. But the next part is says do it with gentleness and kindness. And so there's a distinctly kingdom, oriented way to speak. And I think sometimes we think as Christians that you can't be both courageous and civil, that the loudest person in the room is the most courageous. Uh, And the truth is um, sometimes courage is speaking out. Sometimes it's being quiet. Um, You know, being angry doesn't mean you're being courageous. And sometimes, um, you know, you know, we either split these two that I have to be, I can't ever speak out about anything because that would be too, um, un, it's uncivil to do that. Or we think I have to be angry and vengeful. Otherwise I'm not being courageous. Uh, but really the Bible doesn't measure toughness that way. And so I, I think that's a, a central, central part of what, what I'm trying to say. 
There's there's definitely a challenge. I mean, particularly if you are associated with a larger entity. Um, I mean, Dan, you and you and I both work for um, agencies of um, the Southern Baptist Convention, and so there's an extra level of scrutiny that uh, that comes with whatever um, whatever we say on online um, to some degree. Um, probably, honestly, probably a little bit more you than me at this point. Um, but you know, but that's because your job inherently has politics connected to it. Um, but I mean, it is one of those things that is really important that we remember that when we're thinking about how we speak online, we're, we're always representing someone else We're we are representing our employers for better or for worse. We're representing, um, you know, in the, in the case of Christians, we're, we're representing our God, um, as well. We're representing our families, um, everything. And so thinking about that makes, should raise the bar in, in terms of how we, seek to communicate well. So I really appreciate the fact that you are, um, one, I appreciate your passion about, about trying to do that effectively. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always a moving target too. So how do you, how have you found that, um, you have, what are, what do you, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made aside from, uh, aside from the one that you've just shared or, or what are some, key uh um key principles that you have uh, picked up along the way yeah i think i think there's a few things i mean first i have learned a lot you know the hard way sometimes uh in t- one other episode from 2016 i tweeted out something and i had a really good friend of mine who's a prominent christian leader text me and say, are you sure you wanted to say this? I've seen a few people pass your tweet around and it's kind of offended a few people. I was like, okay, I'm pulling that down. And I mean, I think the, a few things to think about is number one, when we're online, we're in public. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes we forget we're in public, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I would not go up to someone at a dinner party that I really disagreed with and just like walk up to them make sure everybody at the party is, is listening. Let's say there's a, you know, 60 people there and just say, Hey, I just want everybody to know this guy is, a, is an idiot. And he, and he got this completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't think we would do that. Is this um, why I don't get invited to many dinner parties anymore? <laughs> but mm-hmm. online, it could be, it would be thousands more than that. And, and we forget that we're in public. I also think the bigger you're, and I hate the word platform. I actually have a whole chapter in here about platform, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Um, but the bigger your influence, let's say, the more responsibility I think you have in a James three kind of way, where where James says, you know, you, you know, not all of us should be teachers, but if you are, watch your words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think sometimes we get fast and loose on there, and don't realize like things you can say things that can be easily misinterpreted, misunderstood. So we have to be very careful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's online, it's, it's in public. Sometimes, you know, one of the things that's helped me a lot is to have a circle of friends that I can text things. <laughs> I don't think that all my raw unfiltered things should be posted. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you just have these circles of conversation. I think that we have to remember that Twitter or Facebook or whatever is public, right? That doesn't mean we're not 
mess up and make mistakes or we can't, we have to be so rigid. We can't be funny. And, you know, sometimes we need to be prophetic. Sometimes we need to be provocative, but you know, just we're, we're in public. Things can be taken. It's public. It's permanent. It's not private. So I, I think those things are really important for us. Well, There's, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and you, I mean, you have an Aaron was pointing out kind of linked to that, you know, the fact that you're, you know, head of communications for the ERLC, you know, the ethics and mm-hmm. religious Liberty commission, which <laughs> should have something to say about the way people talk, which I appreciate. So you got to constantly be on the lookout for, for what the conversation is, how to talk about things and uh, what's the appropriate Avenue. But what, what have you learned from that perspective? I mean, I hate putting you on the spot from your official capacity in that role, but, but I know like, like how do you filter when you need to talk and how you need to talk about something? And I know a lot of it is Dr. Moore, who's the voice of it, but, right. but I guess from your sake. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to think organizational things. So um, organizationally, is this going to hurt the organization in any way? Is it going to put the organization I work for in a bad position? And it's pe- people don't want to think that. And I think a lot of us think, well, that's not fair. I should be able to say whatever I want to say. Thing is, if you're if 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 you're working for an organization, in some way you're an ambassador of them, right? So you have to be careful there. I also think we just have to ask ourselves, like, does the world need my opinion on this? Um, you know, how old is Twitter? Thirteen years. You know, so some of us are old enough to remember a world before that, and. 20 years ago, if something happened in the world, was everybody clamoring for my opinion on it? Um, And so I think even though I have an opinion, I don't have to speak out at this moment. It's okay if I do. And sometimes it's, it's worth, sometimes you say, this is in my portfolio. This is part of what I'm tasked with doing. And I need to say something, but we can also ask ourselves, is this the right medium? Is Twitter the right medium? Should I do it somewhere else? Uh, am I am I the right person to talk about it? Also, um, do I have expertise in this field, or am, or am I speaking out of turn? For instance, we're in the middle of this pandemic. I have a lot of questions. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a scientist, so I can question some things, right? Like this seems a little interesting, or that seems interesting, but like I don't know, you know. So I shouldn't be opining on things out of my space. Um, there is a pull sometimes that. I've got to say something because everyone's saying something like, but we have to answer Like we don't have to. Uh, so I think we just mean to be wise about that. Like, is the world demanding my, my thoughts on this? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Um, have I thought about it? Have I got the whole story? I mean, that's a big thing. Like, do I know everything here or am I reacting to a headline? Um, you, know, you know, I have a chapter there on getting, you know, being, you know, James says, be, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know, in this internet age, we might, we might say quick to read the whole story, slow to post, you know, slow to cancel. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think we have to be careful of that. And we also have to think through the tribe, the tribal dynamics, you know, there's a sorting and like, there's this tribalism that I have to signal to my tribe that I'm with them. And I'm, and I'm not with his other tribe or I have to signal to this world that I'm on the right side of this issue. Right. So I think all those things are at play. 
I, I love what you said about you have people, you run all your stuff by on social media. I think I was thinking about, um, did you guys read this article that Andrew Peterson wrote in 2018, Wrestling the Giant, Why I Deleted Instagram? You guys read yeah, that? Yeah, I read that. Yes. Yeah, like for me, that's the, the biggest. So one. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, with me as always are Dave and Scarlett. Guys, how's it going? I, I, you know, again, yet again here. uh, That's true. I keep getting invited back. Scarlett? You're you're uh, you're rolling right now. I think your benevolent dictator uh, show from the last episode was uh, uh, had some high, really? high ratings. Really, we had some uh, the 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 interweb approval rating was uh, was up there. I mean, yeah, if, they're if, uh, they're pretty sure they want uh, Dave and me to both get fired. Absolutely. Just keep you. If 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 Nicholas Cage were back on Silent Live, you'd say that's wow. Well, thank you, yes. thank you, Internet. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. I'm honored. It was an honor. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. So I, I think we we we've got requests okay. for more of that. So you you've got to be uh, ready. Oh, I'll try to think of more ideas. Those might have been <laughs> the only ideas that I'll ever have in my whole life. So. Well, only the only thing I, br- I mean, we were just telling our guest who has not yet been introduced. The only thing I bring, well, I said the only thing I bring to this podcast is um, updating the gram, the Instagram. So I'll try to keep bringing ideas to <laughs> to um, so I don't get fired. That you know that is a good lead in because I don't know. Yeah, the listeners can <laughs> probably pick up who's running which at this point since we're talking openly about it, but. Uh, I'll do a quick intro and then we can uh, make sure everyone knows this. So Dan Darling, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm delighted to be here and uh, can check this off my bucket list now of, of career goals. So there's That's, that. That is what we're here for, right? For you in that. So no, no, Dan, you're a big deal. So let's not, uh, I, uh, we, we, we wanted to, have you on closer to the release of your next book, which we're going to talk about in a second, Away With Words. But um, but we just figured, you know, if we recorded this and they just released it in August when the book comes out, <laughs> I thought, um, hmm, what would we get wrong at that point? <laughs> that would be fun. It would and, be kind of amazing. Uh, and funny, uh, actually. Uh, well, no, Dan, we, we've wanted to have you on for a while. We're just trying to figure out, okay, when's, when, when's good, but also we'd love to have you again, again after this. Um, for those of you who do not know Dan, I'll give you kind of a quick intro, but um, I certainly, since you're podcast listeners, I certainly hope you've heard his podcast, The Way Home, which is an excellent show. And Dan, you've been doing that for how long? For several years. I don't even know how many years. I think it's been like... At least three years, but okay, they all run together, you know. What have you learned by doing a podcast for that long? I mean, we've well, done first of all, I've learned that I love doing it. So, okay. you know, I just like I, I like learning from uh, interesting people. Uh, I like asking good questions. Um, I like, you know, just conversations. I'm I'm very extroverted, uh, and so it's just a great way to, to meet people around the country, leaders and interesting people. And uh, I also learned that, you know, people, it's interesting. Um, like 
not everybody, how should I say this? Not everybody can bring it on a podcast interview. Interview, You know what I'm saying? Like they could be a, they could be a great writer with an amazing book, but they just may not be that good, you know, carrying a conversation. <laughs> uh, most people are, but there's sometimes people aren't. I, I'm feeling judged <laughs> right now. <laughs> Aaron, you can, you can bring it. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I feel better. It's okay. <laughs> but I know what you mean though. I was listening to Eric Larson talk about Splendid in the Vile on hmm. Art of Manliness podcast a few weeks ago. I thought, man, that guy is such a great writer and storyteller, but he wasn't that great of an interview. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it was bad. Yeah. I just was like, come on, man. I know you can do better than this. I could tell he was struggling with talking points because he clearly did not want to reveal so much of the book. But um, so he was holding back on things and being really obvious about it. But there's a way to do that that's natural and fun that keeps people entertained and it's almost like you want to give them enough, but not too much because you do want to keep them kind of hooked into, Hey, listen, instead of keep saying you can read more of the book, he kept saying that. I'm like, no, we know, we know, you know, but, uh, so we, we have high expectations for you, Dan. All right. So give us a little bit, but not everything. Okay? No pressure though. Yeah. So this is a book I've been thinking about for a while. Um, you know, it's, it's the gist of it is, you know, like how do we, how to, as Christians, how do we behave online, right? So, like, there's a lot of books, really good books about technology and screen time, which are important, and how to negotiate that with your family or, you know, take digital Sabbaths for yourself. How too much screen time is, you know, can be harmful, although nobody's paying attention to that now because we're in the midst of this pandemic. And we're glued to our screens, but I, this is not that book. This is this is more or less saying, "Hey, look, the internet's going to be here to stay, um, and it's going to be a way that we communicate." Social media is not going anywhere, and so um, how do we negotiate that? And how do we act like Christians online in a in a way that's redemptive? Um, and so that's kind of where where I'm at. Uh, with with the book, I mean, look, we're not going to be Amish uh, and go back backward. So, how do we as Christians do this? I, I think one of the things we tend to do is forget that we're Christians when we're online. You know, like it's this kind of free space. So, I, I mean, I talk a lot about words, you know, and how like as really the, the the Christian story is really about words. I mean, we have a God who speaks. And part of what makes us unique as his image bearers is the fact that we can communicate. I mean, you know, the rest of creation can kind of communicate, like animals can, you know, like a highly developed ape can maybe do sign language and a parrot can like mock the, or can, you know, do the words of, of its owner, maybe a few things, but communication really is something that is unique to uh, human beings. And so the Christian story is, one of, of words and speaking, you know, Jesus is called uh, the logos, the word uh, we have. God has sp- spoken to us by his word. And so we're really, how does that inform the way we speak uh, uh, when we're online? So yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So Dan, how, how much of it was, um, well, how, how much of this is kind of trial and error in terms of how you've learned on social media? I think we're always trying, but 
does it ever feel awkward in the way you're trying to talk about complex subjects of faith or even just everyday life online? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the one perspective I'm trying to take here is it's not like here's Dan from on high saying, here's how you should do it, but more or less, you know, I'm trying to learn too what this looks like. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't uh, done it perfectly all the time. In fact, I tell a few stories in there of the ways that I haven't, you know, for instance, I'll tell you one story. 2016, is, as you know, I think you know, was a pretty contentious election. Mm-hmm. Was it? <laughs> um, and so at one point, I had a conversation with a friend. We we're going back and forth and it, it almost like ruined our friendship. At one point, I basically told him to, this is, this is my exact words, put away the adult coloring books and start thinking for yourself is what I told him. Hmm. And then I had to go back and apologize and everything. But I kind of use that as an illustration of, of how we can all get carried away in our online engagement. Like if I look at old tweets from like election seasons and stuff, I feel like I um, did not always do it, do it well and do it right. So so I, I think we need to have some grace and even handedness and even some contrition when we don't get it right. I also kind of look in this book at underneath the reasons that we do the things we do online, right? So not just here's how to conduct yourself, but why do we get angry? Why do we, um, why are we tempted to, you know, cancel people or crush people? Why do we have to kind of be performative sometimes on Instagram with our life? What's underneath all that? So that, that's kind of some of the things huh. I'm looking at. Wow. Was this, was this what kind of inspired you to write your, um, I guess it's been a couple of years ago, the dignity revolution. Cause I remember when that came yeah. out, I thought, yes. Like when I think of Dan, you're always one online to really point out like, Hey, listen, there's a better way to just, have a conversation mm-hmm. about it and you treat each other with respect. Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes I need to look in the mirror and say, am I doing that? Right. But yeah, I think so. You know, Christians have this unique concept of dignity. So, and I think one of the hardest things for us to understand is that the Bible doesn't, isn't, you know, God is not just interested in that. We, uh, say the right things and get the truth, right but also in how we say it. Like there's a distinctly Christian way to say things. Um, like you look at first Peter for three fifteen talks about have an answer for every man that the hope that lies for the hope that lies within you. But the next part is says do it with gentleness and kindness. And so there's a distinctly kingdom oriented way to speak. And I think sometimes we think as Christians that you can't be both courageous and civil that, the loudest person in the room is the most courageous. Uh, and the truth is um, sometimes courage is speaking out. Sometimes it's being quiet. Um, you know, being angry doesn't mean you're being courageous. And sometimes, um, you know, you, you know, we either split these two that I have to be, I can't ever speak out about anything because that would be too, um, un- it's uncivil to do that. Or we think I have to be angry and vengeful. Otherwise I'm not being courageous. Uh, but really the Bible doesn't measure toughness that way. And so I, I think that's a, a central, central part of what I'm trying to say. 
There's there's definitely a challenge. I mean, particularly if you are associated with a larger entity. Um, I mean, Dan, you you and I both work for um, agencies of um, the Southern Baptist Convention, and so there's an extra level of scrutiny that uh, that comes with whatever um, whatever we say on online um, to some degree. Um, probably, honestly, probably a little bit more you than me at this point. Um, but you know, but that's because your job inherently has politics connected to it. Um, but I mean, it is one of those things that is really important that we remember that when we're thinking about how we speak online, we're, we're always representing someone else We're we are representing our employers for better or for worse. We're representing, um, you know, in the, in the case of Christians, we're, we're representing our God, um, as well. We're representing our families, um, everything. And so thinking about that makes, should raise the bar in, in terms of how we, seek to communicate well. So I really appreciate the fact that you are, um, one, I appreciate your passion about, about trying to do that effectively. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always a moving target too. So how do you, how have you found that, um, you have, what are, what do you, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made aside from, uh, aside from the one that you've just shared or, or what are some, key uh um key principles that you have uh, picked up along the way yeah i think i think there's a few things i mean first i have learned a lot you know the hard way sometimes uh in t- one other episode from 2016 i tweeted out something and i had a really good friend of mine who's a prominent christian leader text me and say, are you sure you wanted to say this? I've seen a few people pass your tweet around and it's kind of offended a few people. I was like, okay, I'm pulling that down. And I mean, I think a few things to think about is number one, when we're online, we're in public. Mm -hmm. I I think sometimes we forget we're in public, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I would not go up to someone at a dinner party that I really disagreed with and just like walk up to them make sure everybody at the party is, is listening. Let's say there's a, you know, 60 people there and just say, Hey, I just want everybody to know this guy is, a, is an idiot. And he, and he got this completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't think we would do that. Is this um, why I don't get invited to many dinner parties anymore? <laughs> but mm-hmm. online, it could be, it would be thousands more than that. And, and we forget that we're in public. I also think the bigger you're, and I hate the word platform. I actually have a whole chapter in here about platform, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Um, but the bigger your influence, let's say, the more responsibility I think you have in a James three kind of way where, where James says, you know, you, you know, not all of us should be teachers, but if you are watch your words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think sometimes we get fast and loose on there. Don't realize like things, you can say things that can be easily misinterpreted, misunderstood. So we have to be very careful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's online, it's, it's in public. Sometimes, you know, one of the things that's helped me a lot is to have a circle of friends that I can text things. <laughs> I don't think that all my raw unfiltered things should be posted. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you just have these circles of conversation. I think that we have to remember that Twitter or Facebook or whatever is public, right? That doesn't mean we're not 
mess up and make mistakes or we can't, we have to be so rigid. We can't be funny. And, you know, sometimes we need to be prophetic. Sometimes we need to be provocative, but you know, just we're, we're in public. Things can be taken. It's public. It's permanent. It's not private. So I, I think those things are really important for us. Well, There's, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and you, I mean, you have an Aaron was pointing out kind of linked to that, you know, the fact that you're, you know, head of communications for the ERLC, you know, the ethics and mm-hmm. religious Liberty commission, which <laughs> should have something to say about the way people talk, which I appreciate. So you got to constantly be on the lookout for, for what the conversation is, how to talk about things and uh, what's the appropriate Avenue. But what, what have you learned from that perspective? I mean, I hate putting you on the spot from your official capacity in that role, but, but I know like, like how do you filter when you need to talk and how you need to talk about something? And I know a lot of it is Dr. Moore, who's the voice of it, but but I guess from your sake. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to think organizational things. So um, organizationally, is this going to hurt the organization in any way? Is it going to put the organization I work for in a bad position? And it's people don't want to think that. And I think a lot of us think, well, that's not fair. I should be able to say whatever I want to say. Thing is, if you're if 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 you're working for an organization, in some way you're an ambassador of them, right? So you have to be careful there. I also think we just have to ask ourselves, like, does the world need my opinion on this? Um, you know, how old is Twitter? Thirteen years. You know, so some of us are old enough to remember a world before that, and. 20 years ago, if something happened in the world, was everybody clamoring for my opinion on it? Um, And so I think even though I have an opinion, I don't have to speak out at this moment. It's okay if I do. And sometimes it's, it's worth, sometimes you say, this is in my portfolio. This is part of what I'm tasked with doing. And I need to say something, but we can also ask ourselves, is this the right medium? Is Twitter the right medium? Should I do it somewhere else? Uh, am I am I the right person to talk about it? Also, um, do I have expertise in this field, or am, or am I speaking out of turn? For instance, we're in the middle of this pandemic. I have a lot of questions. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a scientist, so I can question some things, right? Like this seems a little interesting, or that seems interesting, but like I don't know, you know. So I shouldn't be opining on things out of my space. Um, there is a pull sometimes that. I've got to say something because everyone's saying something like, but we have to ask her like, we don't have to. Uh, So I think we just need to be wise about that. Like, is the world demanding my, my thoughts on this? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Um, Have I thought about it? Have I got the whole story? I mean, that's a big thing. Like, do I know everything here or am I reacting to a headline? Um, you You know, I have a chapter there on getting, you know, being, you know, James says, be, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know, in this internet age, we might, we might say quick to read the whole story, slow to post, you know, slow to cancel. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think we have to be careful of that. And we also have to think through the tribe, the tribal dynamics, you know, there's a sorting and like, there's this tribalism that I have to signal to my tribe that I'm with them. And I'm, and I'm not with his other tribe or I have to signal to this world that I'm on the right side of this issue. Right. So I think all those things are at play. 
I, I love what you said about you have people, you run all your stuff by on social media. I think I was thinking about, um, did you guys read this article that Andrew Peterson wrote in 2018, Wrestling the Giant, Why I Deleted Instagram? You guys read yeah, that? Yeah, I read that. Yes. Yeah, like for me, that's the the biggest. So one, I wanted to say to you, Dan, I have that too. Like I, when I got into publishing is when I started, I just decided like, I'm just not going to post anything ever that I have not sent another human yeah. Because I'm a per, you know, I get those memories on Facebook, like you said during election season. You're like, oh, did I tweet that? I mean, I don't know a person who doesn't look back on those horrible reminders from Facebook <laughs> and say, what was I thinking eight years ago when I said this thing? Um, and there's so much wisdom in just having other believers who screen what you're going to say. I've had so I've written blogs, chapters, all sorts of Instagram posts where my husband's like, eh, no, <laughs> don't, you know, don't post that. But um, I wanted to mention the Andrew Peterson article because. That's what I read. I loved how we talked about the rub between, and everyone in this group right now can relate to this. It's like, we're all either putting out um, some kind of content that we ultimately want people to see that's going to point to Christ. Um, and in this article, I haven't read it in years. It's just made me think of it. So I hope I'm saying, I hope I'm quoting the right article, rabbitroom.com. Just look it up, Wrestling the Giant. Um, but he talks about how it's like, you don't want to just, it's just, I think what I'm trying to say is I think we all just have to come before the Lord, like we do with, with anything and just wrestle with it because we want to, you know, say I have this new book coming out, but then we also don't want to not be a human and just be pushing this thing. So the rub for me is like between personal life and the Christian resource that I am promoting, like, um, just, man, I've had times where I'm like, I just want to quit it all. And I just don't want to be part of it. Or maybe I just want to use it to put my thing out there, but I don't want to share my personal life because it feels like, is this how, you know, we're the first generation who's had, who's been able to do this. Um, so I guess my question for you is, do you just take it a day at a time and wrestle through that with the Holy Spirit? How do you decide? Um, yeah. Besides sending it out to people, how much thought do you put into that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, and, and look, everyone's got different filters. So like everything I tweet or post, I don't send to somebody, but I think if there's, if there's something that I know in my spirit that I'm not sure about, Hey, should I send this? I'll send it to some, like, what do you think about this? Is this too hot? Is this too whatever? The other thing is sometimes it's good to just have text chains, not to like just vet your stuff, but like, you know, I can blow off steam with a, with a, some close buddies in a text thread with stuff I would never post online. You know what I mean? There's just levels of things. Um, And I think that kind of sometimes diffuses some of the energy so that when we go to post that we're not posting things that we, you know, because it's, it's a flat medium. So people don't know the full version of us. So they just see that. And so there's Hmm. easy way to get, to get misunderstood. I do want to talk about platform a little bit. I have a whole chapter on that in the book. And I think that conversation to me is super interesting because, you know, all of us are creators. I'm a creator. I'm a writer. I've been a writer for 20 years. I write things with my byline. You know, the, the motive, those of us who write or create any kind of art, you know, the underneath that is the idea that we think we've got something that the world needs, needs to consume. And so there's a tension because we want to get it out there because we've created it. But also we don't want to like be just sort of living for the bigger and better platform and all that. I think some of the conversation around platform to me is interesting because 
it typically happens on platforms. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, panels at conferences about the dangers of platform are interesting to me because that's, that's a platform that you hope people want, <laughs> like see right. podcasts about the dangers and evils of the celebrity of a uh, complex. Like I'm just thinking in my mind, did you record that podcast hoping only 50 people would hear it, but not too many more. So you're not part of this complex. Like (laughs) or people, I saw people that Andrew Peterson article was fantastic. Andrew's a great guy and he thinks wisely about this. I did see people taking screenshots of that and posting it on Instagram in an unironic way as if to say, Hey, everybody who can see me, I'm one Mm -hmm. of these people that doesn't do platform. So it's just like, I think the, like we shouldn't live for the spotlight and live like, but I do think God does gift some people with bigger influence. And, you know, the platform conversation is not a new one. I mean, George Whitfield had a massive platform. Charles Spurgeon was writing, was preaching to a lot of people, but he's also writing extra sermons every week to get published in the newspaper that I think he wanted people to read. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just have to, so I wrestle with that a little bit of motivations in our heart and open-handedness. And what does this look like for those of us who really need to be on social media and we need to have, you know, like the nature of what we do, we write books, we, you know, so I, I I think the balance here is having a little bit of humility and open-handedness and recognizing that you're not really a big deal. And most Christians around the world, 90% of them are ordinary people who are not on Twitter, who could not pick Tim Keller or N.T. Wright or Ann Voskamp out of a lineup. (laughs) You know, and so just – kind of taking it for what it is. You know what I mean? Well, and that's kind of the great thing about, um, I mean, uh, we've used, we've joked about the term on the, on the show in different way, uh, ways and opportunity and moments and with different people about the, the whole, the difference between being a Christian celebrity and being a real celebrity. Yeah. Um, a Christian celebrity is only known within our niche where, yeah where real celebrities are known by everybody. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like being, being a Christian celebrity is kind of like being the equivalent of um, being uh, famous in, in the comic book scene. Um, you're, no, you're a big deal in, within, within your small group, but that's about it. Um, you know, just like how, you know, all, yeah. all through all four of us, we're a big deal within our, within our families. And, uh, <laughs> um, and sometimes and, not even that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Dan, what, what would you tell a, uh, and Dan, I'll, I'll just say this for those who aren't following Dan on, on socials, we'll post, you know, Dan, but I, I've always respected you on social media, even before I knew you were going to write this book. Um, but I've always looked at you as being resourceful, kind, um, uh, amusing. And certainly we have our handful of baseball banter, uh, which we will get to, by the way, very important topic. Um, but, um, but like, what would you tell uh, an up and coming author who's trying to look at this scene and say, where do I fit in this and how do I do it well? 
Yeah, I mean, I talk to young writers all the time. There's a couple of things that I, I, I think about. One thing I want to say, I'm glad I kind of came of age as a writer before social media because it allowed me to not shortcut. You know, I had to query magazines and I had to like do the hard work of really working on my writing to get accepted in, in magazines and publications. Whereas I think there's a tendency now to kind of want to shortcut it and just be a thing on social, like get, get attached to a cause, get mad at the right people, become an influencer. Not that that's, there's anything wrong with Instagram influencers. I have a chapter on that, but you know, like to shortcut it to where you're, you're famous for being famous instead of actually creating things. So I'm glad I didn't, I didn't come of age now. And I see this even in like young seminarians who like, I just want to say, man, like go deep and read and study and grow and then let it come to you. Right. Um, it's like these young seminarians who like give pastors advice on Saturday nights. I'm like, dude, man, like you're still on your parents' insurance. Like let's, let's hold off on that. <laughs> um, so there's that, like don't shortcut the process and like create stuff in order because God has given you a message and you, and you like to make things. Don't create it solely with the end in mind of this will be the thing that will make me, you know, and, or this will bring me joy. Like, you know, if you, if you look at success, getting published or getting a byline as this will be the thing that brings me joy, you're going to really be disappointed. So I think that's the first part. The second part is when you do have a book or you do have a message, you know, I would say, don't be sheepish about let letting people have access to it and getting it to the world. I know it's a little weird in that first time when you're trying to market it and you're just like, ah. I mean, I have, I have a lot of people that I've encouraged to write books and have kind of helped mentor. And I just say, Hey man, like, you know, do as much publicity as you can. I mean, not in an obnoxious, gross way, but like do as much as you can because God has given you a message that the publisher is investing in you. Um, and so let's try to, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's okay to say, I, I would like, I would like this book to sell. Like nobody writes a book thinking, man, I hope only a few copies sell. Right. Um, and so I think if God's given you a message, let's try to get it to people and do it in an open-handed way and in a humble way. And I think God can really use that. I mean, we create stuff, you know, someone writes a song, they want people to, to listen to it and they want it to go big. Right. Um, someone writes a book. They want a lot of people to read it. Um, you create a podcast, you hope a lot of people listen to it. Uh, so I, I think that's okay. If you've made something and you want to, I also think, huh, sorry, I'm rambling here, but I have one last thought, you know, the things we create, I think we have to think of it as we're, we're, this is how we're serving our neighbors. This is how we're loving our neighbors. We're creating things for the world. We're creating things for the body of Christ. I've had to come to look at my writing ministry as this is how I serve the body. And that does two things. Number one, it keeps me from not being ashamed to try to, you know, promote it and market it in a responsible way. But on the other hand, it keeps me from being disappointed if it's not New York Times bestseller list or whatever, you know, if I've worked my hardest and it's not there, it's okay because I'm serving the body of Christ and some people will be helped. And I just think of my own life too, that the books and the people who've discipled me, you know, I, I'm glad Alistair Begg had a platform 
so that I could hear him on Moody Radio when I was you know, in Chicago. And I'm glad Chuck Swindoll had a platform so I could hear him on the radio. So, you know, so somehow it reached me. I'm glad J.I. Packer and Tim Keller and you know, Paul you know, Tripp and whoever else have helped me uh, had platforms big enough so that I found out about their books and read them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I guess you, you've kind of answered uh, a, a next question I have just uh, uh, the writers and communicators online that have uh, that you've appreciated the most with all this in mind, who, who would you say? Um, man, that's a hard one because there's, <laughs> there's so many, it's funny. Cause in many ways I, Oh, my career to the internet. I mean, I came of age right before that in terms of writing, but in terms of it really kind of supercharged it. So I would say, you know, coming out of the tradition I came out of, which was um, pretty fundamentalist, you know, I'm not bitter or mad about it, but like, you know, pretty fundamentalist uh, legalist. And so trying to think through what is, what is a healthy Christianity look like? I think of like the gospel coalition became a thing. I started reading all their stuff. Christianity today. One of the first things I started reading online was Christianity today has the, had this web log. Do you guys remember that? Anyone remember that? It was like every day they would publish this. It was before they even called things blogs. It was like a web log of like links from around like, like, like a drudge report like thing. Yeah. It was, it's just like a, it was kind of almost like what Charlie's does with his like links, but it was like, here's like, you know, 20 links of stories around the, around the internet about the church. And there was just like, I started reading that. It was like, Oh, there's a wider church out here. And, and they just started, you know, Oh, like here's Tim Keller. So I started reading all his stuff. And then, you know, uh, Phil Yancey is somebody that's really shaped me, his work, his writing. Like he's, su- he's such a wordsmith. Um, Sports writing. I'm, I love sports writing. I'm trying to think. There's just so many. It's hard to. It's hard to know uh, in terms of communicators and writers that have shaped me that way. But you, as a writer, who have um, like who are the types of what, like what do you read for pleasure and what do you read to kind of stay motivated? Uh, those are kind of two separate things, but yeah. they can kind of go together. Yeah. So I read. Really, I read a few different kinds of things. I I'm an avid reader of, of biographies. I just love, love biographies about, particularly about American history, um, but even church history. Like I just, my idea of pleasure reading is a presidential biography or a American history biography. So you mentioned Eric Larson's book about Churchill. I cannot wait to start that one. I'm like dying to start that one. So I typically, my reading is like this. I read, I've always got an audio book going. I've always got a book going like on my nightstand, you know, at night. And then I've always got something I'm reading with my Bible reading. So usually two or three books at the same time. Um, I love biographies. I like, I I push myself to read more fiction. So like total pleasure read is like, um, like spy thriller type fiction. So like Dan Silva or um, Brad Thor, or I know you guys, uh, disc Grisham, but sometimes you just got to sit down with, with Grisham and escape and learn more about some obscure legal thing. I think um, real quick, I'll say this one thing about Grisham. Uh, 
him. I think that was more Barnabas last year, but okay. we have uh, <laughs> taken our shots on him. I think it's more. Uh, he does mail it in. I will totally give you that. He mails it in. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, yeah. leaving unsatisfied. I'm like, God, did your kid uh, write this or did you write this? Like, <laughs> hey, um, if, you, if you got a system and you're selling millions, by all means, we would I mean, yeah. as, when as you we can have, sleep on a huge pile of money every night, yeah. I guess who cares? <laughs> And the best part of that is that uh, uh, is that we've always invited him on the show. <laughs> he, yeah. set the, he set the record so, time. Yeah, so I'm reading that stuff for pleasure. I've always got something going on, either fiction or biography. And then I, I read a lot of like Christian living theology books. You know, um, you know, I try to read theology, but then I also just try to read some good Christian living from a wide variety of folks. I mean, I've I read in the last year some. But we can talk about those later. But I think try to read people who are good writers. And I, I'm at the point where I'm like, if I'm if I'm a few chapters in and, I, and I'm, it's just not working, I'm just you know I got too many books here. You know, I'll just I'll just press on. I mean, I think the writers that really you know people who can I I, I people who can communicate good truths in a, in, a, in a in a good way who can write well. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like someone like Philip Yancey who can just write incredibly, or even, you know, someone like Max Licato is kind of mass market, but, and I haven't read too many of his lately, but he, he writes so well and so effortlessly. Um, and T Wright, you know, people who can write in a way that's just really, really good. I mean, we can go through the last few books I've read that are amazing, but I don't know if you want to do that now. Well, We'll hold on those to the very end about that just for sake of it. Yeah. All right. Well, while I have you on, uh, on, on book recommendations, since you are a baseball fan and we've always shared that, uh, that banter, you being a Cubs fan, me being a Cardinals fan, but do you have any favorite baseball books? Man, that's so hard. I mean, I think probably my favorite one, the latest one is um, George Will's book on Wrigley Field. Have you read that, Dave? No, I haven't. No, I would love to read that, though. Yeah, I like George Will anyway. His stuff is so good, and he's such a good writer. But he wrote—he basically wrote a love letter to Wrigley Field, which is you know gave me all the feels. But it's it's such it's so well done. So, but I love I like baseball books. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So it just depends. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a few I'll send you uh, separately just to check out. But yeah, it's a. Yeah, I can't read them all the time, but this time of year, typically I'd be, you know, picking up one or two for the, you know, for the next few months and uh, not having baseball or <laughs> any sports <laughs> right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, this is kind of a lead in to, for us talking about nostalgia. It's really, I, I don't, I'm having a tough time watching things. Uh, that would be movies or games from the past when I would rather just be watching whatever is happening now, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I enjoyed that for a few weeks during all the shutdown, but uh, now I'm like, all right, I'm ready. You know, something, something, give me anything. Um, but uh, but in terms of reading and the whole nostalgia, um, it, it's amusing. There's certainly some great writing when it comes to that, but uh, but Yeah. Man, man. So what else is keeping you motivated right now since uh, you're in lockdown? Well, I've got some projects I'm working on. Uh, and I've, you know, I've got this book coming out with B&H, which I'm pumped about. And then I got a few other projects that are either like 
were at various stages and then I'm one I'm about to start. So that that's fun. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. Like I, there's part of me that likes working from home. You know, I like wearing sweatpants every day <laughs> and not having to go into the office, but then I'm so extroverted. I missed the part of my life of like being with colleagues and traveling a little bit and speaking and going to conferences and just hanging with, I, you know, I'm just a very extroverted guy. So that's been a little interesting. Um, but you know, reading good things and you know what I've done every night of this pandemic is I've had an ice cream bar every, every single night. And What's I feel kind of ice cream bar. I'm on a Cal Ripken like streak with that. Um, they're, they're low calorie ones. Cause I'm also on a, on a diet, but I've worked it in, you know, <laughs> but I, it's, it's my silent protest to the, to the coronavirus. You know, that's, I respect that. That's a good silent protest. Um, Just saying, you know, it can't rob you of your joy. So you're still going to eat ice cream, but the, uh, <laughs> but the low fat, the low fat, low cal ice cream might rob you of your joy. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta take your, take it where you can. So it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this yeah, in terms of ice cream too. I tell, but I, I, not, not that we're out right now, but anything that is reserved for dad is out. So I, uh, I need to make that risky run. And, and am I going to be that guy going in the supermarket, only going to the ice cream aisle, bypassing the toilet paper, bypassing the cleaning products, and, yes. and getting what I see necessary right now? Because, yeah, okay. You get it's funny, both. too. It's funny, too. I've my dog so many times. Right. It's, it's funny, too, because my kids, you know, we let them have dessert on the weekends. More my wife than me, but I like to live with my wife, so we do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, they'll ask me, Dad, how come you get to have an ice cream bar during the week and I don't? And basically, my answer has been, you know, because I'm 42 years old, I've gotten to this <laughs> point, and I can basically. Something so, to look forward to. That's yeah. right. I mean, that listen, is the perfect dad answer. Well unapologetic. Done. So. <laughs> I do what I want. Basically. Love it. Scarlett, you got to use that on the girls. Yeah, I can't. I feel bad. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> or I'll just be like, oh, this is like, I'm, I'm like you, Dan. Like, I'll try to find the healthy kind of ice cream. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, you wouldn't like this. It's, it's not, it's not as good as the stuff I'll give you later. <laughs> yeah, but then you're pu just punishing yourself and that's, that's not okay. Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah. I'll be delusional and I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I'm going to get some strawberry ice cream or something like that. <laughs> Thinking it's going to be so healthy. <laughs> it's like, it's the same. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same kind of person that says, you know what? I'm going to go light today. I'm going to get some carrot cake because you know, that's gotta be healthier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm pretty sure that's even worse than, uh, than low fat ice cream there, Dave. <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> Dan, Dan, man, this has been amusing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think uh, it's been fun to kind of follow along with the with the banter, but also very, like I said, very useful information in terms of just how to filter out what is uh, uh, what, what is helpful information to have when people are trying to figure out what to do about uh, uh, coronavirus. 
what what to be hopeful of, what to be still cautious about. And I think when you've got so many different people online, yeah. um, it, what, what, you know, what do they say? The Facebook, that Karen from Facebook, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, in other words, like everyone's an expert online, right? Um, because they're self-proclaimed. And so filtering through that to really kind of point to what is logical, reasonable, and perhaps pointing out the hopeful as you do often too. I feel like that's like a real big challenge for people when they sometimes are like, man, what is the good news right now? And, you know, as I tell my kids, I'm yeah. like, you know, we, there's so many great things going on right now. If you, I said, we're not sick. And there are people who are sick. So let's not, yeah. you know, we, let's not discount that. But, uh, but I said, you know, gosh, like, man, we have beautiful weather right now. We're able to get outside here in Nashville. It, uh, so there's a lot, a lot of great things. That's just the tip of everything. But, uh, but, uh, but I appreciate you um, being a leader from that perspective. And, uh, uh, and yes, you, you, you love talking uh, on the interweb and I, and I think it's fun. Um, I, I think, I think too many people look at it from the negative side, but I think there's a lot of good out there and, I, and yeah. thanks for leading from that perspective. Well, I think it's uh, especially in this season, I found that there's really, two kinds of people when it comes to coronavirus there's the doomsday people that there's not a worst case scenario or projection that they do not believe is infallible and written by the finger of god (laughs) and then there's people on the other side who think it's like seriously not a big deal and i'm trying to like be in between it's like uh you know so i i think we have to like read from a variety of sources. And I also think we sometimes have to step away and not be catechized by the calamity all the time. Right. Um, Cause fear can like wrap itself around our hearts in, in ways that aren't helpful, but there is good news. You know, we're, we're actually allowed to believe good news and share it. You know um, it's okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, Aaron Scarlett, shall we? I think it's that time. Yeah. It's that time. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. This is this has been a really good, really, really good conversation. But you know what? We've got some other questions to ask still. One of those questions is um we have a we have a segment on this show, if you have been a faithful listener for any period of time, um, which has gone by the name of the the Jack Reacher Sucker Punch of the Week. However, the title is in flux right now because our listeners have spoken via the interwebs and have have begun to realize that perhaps the problem is not the idea, not the concept, but just the fact that it is the violent connection to um, Lee Child's cathartically wanting to beat the stuffing out of a former boss. Um, And so maybe, maybe this segment needs a different name where we still have the opportunity to, to let the world know what grinds our gears. So here's our challenge for our listeners. Here's our challenge for one another. And Dan, you are welcome to jump into this as well. What should we call this segment where we talk about Books, characters, authors, ideas that just drive us insane. Maybe something like uh, 
who should be canceled or something like that. Or canceled. <laughs> the cancel. <laughs> oh man. Mm. I'll just, I'll just, dis- I'll just evaporate into the abyss every time this segment comes on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't We'll think about this. I will bring this to the gram. You guys, you can count on that. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know. Perfect. In the meantime, as our honored guest, Dan, you have the pleasure of choosing who or what you would like to um, in today's round of, uh, I guess we're going to call it canceling today. Um, (laughs) Which one would you like, would you like to put up for nomination? Yeah. So I think, look, I think all the villains, all the bad people in every Dan Silva novel I would like to to use your prior uh, phrase. Uh, what is that? Throat punch or whatever? Sucker, Sucker punch. punch. Sucker punch. Yeah, I mean, just all all the bad people in his novels um, would be a good candidate. I think. Right. I think that'd be good. It's a good one. The other thing is, I loved this novel. I don't want it canceled, but I just want to say, I, after I read where the crawdads sing. The the ending was unsatisfactory to me. I'm just I'm just registering that complaint. <laughs> All right. I haven't read it yet, but I, I mean I have a copy. So okay. Do do you recommend it though at this point? I mean it's, I know a lot of really people good. love it, but and I listened on audio and it was just a brilliant narrator. So hmm. okay, nice. Okay. okay. All right. Good to know. I I just it was one of those where everyone was reading it this past year. Yeah. Everyone, you know what I mean. It, I it was, was the, protest not reading it. Aaron, sorry, Aaron. Aaron. I was eating ice cream instead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are we gonna do with you? All right. Too cool. He was. He was that guy in high school. We've talked it's about this. It's true. It's <laughs> why I didn't read uh, Harry Potter till I was in my late thirties. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Well, what what what, uh, what else then, guys? What else we got? Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh golly what, we, what a meandering a show this man. has been thank you i know it has <laughs> dan thanks for keeping us together really it's a uh, part of it is is you know recording this everyone's you know this is the friday before we will post this we're trying to get these as close to air date as possible for the sake of whatever's going on and we don't say anything too stupid um but uh but yeah so here we are dan you've kept it together <laughs> yes well, well thanks it's been real man it's been great and i didn't even get to recommend the cool books i read last year but well it's it's we still got time because we do have that last question which is what are we all reading so i will tell you what i'm reading now um let's see here i'm i'm almost finished with a great book on church history called dominion by tom holland it's excellent it talks about how Christianity has really shaped almost everything in the, in the world at this point. Um, really well done. And then I'm a, uh, about to start a book. I believe it's called um, Beyond Betrayal that I've seen a lot of people read. It's about like getting over big hurts and all those things. Uh, and then fiction. I haven't read any, much fiction in a while, but I need to. Now, I'll, I'll give you three books I read last year that I loved. So, David Brooks, The Second Mountain, yes. highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend everybody read it. The writing is exquisite. 
the wisdom is so good. Um, it was a it. joy to yeah. read. It was one of those books that I, that literally wasn't like you, you have to read it. It was a joy to read. Like it was, it was a, it was a delight to read. Dave Zoll has a book called Seculosity. That's fantastic. Highly recommend. Uh, there's a book called the soul of shame by Kurt Thompson that I recommend too. So. All right. I haven't heard of that one, but I'll check it out. Wow. My, oh my. That was a good, was a good Rex. Yeah. I'd love the second mountain. It's great. I've recommended it and given it to a handful of people who are kind of at that point of life. And, uh, I was talking to someone else the other day about, uh, Bob Buford's halftime. Have you read that as well? No, I need to read that. I've yeah. heard it highly recommended. It, it, you know, it's more the, uh, it's more actionable than what the second second mountain is a is a way of thinking and the way you structure and look at your yeah. life right whereas halftime is probably more practical that's my understanding i haven't read it but i was just curious because i was talking to somebody yeah and i think you know i turn you know 41 was a weird year for me because that's a year that typically a lot of men go through midlife stuff john piper talks about that when he was 41 and there's actually some science to, to show that uh and it was kind of weird for me like i didn't go out and buy a you know a convertible or anything, but like, um, you know, just kind of like, who am I? What am I doing? But then I come, came out of it after reading a few of those books, think like just kind of more confident of like, okay, this is what God's called me to do. And this is why I'm here. Well, uh, Aaron and Scarlett, what, uh, what are you guys reading? Reading uh, mystery scripture with Western eyes, removing cultural blinders to better understand the Bible by um, E. Randolph Richards and Brandon J. O'Brien. Um, yeah, I, that was recommended to me. I, hey, my husband, my husband who just walked in. Sorry, guys. <laughs> he just walked in, realized what he was doing and left. Um, yeah, he recommended that to me and I, I need it and I'm reading it. And um, I'm actually, I'm going to, I think I'm going to apply to get my master's in theology soon. So then I'll have right. people telling me all the stuff I should read. Um, but so far, my theologian husband is the one who's telling me the stuff to read. So that's what I'm reading. I want to just say here, Scarlett, do it. And you can do it. I went back oh, yeah. at 35 with four kids and I did it and it can be done. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I started the process. So nice. Mm. Very cool. Aaron, how about you? Well, I am not reading any books for a class or anything right now, but I have finally managed to almost finish, almost finish. Uh, Ember's End uh, by S.D. Smith. It is so good. Um, just I have been struggling to find find the time that I normally have to read. Um, you know that is the that is the challenge of of life in the Armstrong home um, during uh, these these weird weird times. So, but, uh, I'm almost there. And then, um, I am looking forward to starting, uh, the second novel by an author named Charles soul. Um, and he is, uh, he is a lawyer and a novelist and a comic book writer. So, um, so, you know, nothing like having diverse interests. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. That's, uh, uh that, that is different. Uh, well, I'm still struggling through, I shouldn't say struggling, just, just takes a while. The uh, Churchill bio, the Andrew Roberts one, I'm almost halfway there. But uh, it's fantastic. It is, yeah, I, I, uh, I've, re uh, I've read bios on them before, but um, 
this is uh, reads really well. I mean, he writes, and, and of course, his research is tremendous. I think he spends less time on areas where others may have gone in to some periods that may be a little more dry. But, you know, I'm in this wilderness years right now, which I think is fascinating because you get to see within the 1930s in particular, the what, what was he doing in between that uh, led to his resurgence, uh, um, his prophetic nature of, of what Hitler's true intentions were and how to lead from where you are. <laughs> you know, and uh, and seeing that happen, so it's fascinating. Uh, I just started Good Faith by uh, you know with Kenneman and Gabe Lyons, yeah, uh, which is great so far. I I never read it. We're reading it for uh, my CLC group, and it's uh, it's been great. Uh, but like I said, just a few chapters in, so I'll uh, I, that's one of those we're reading like a chapter or two a week. So I'm sure I'll be talking about that as as we go. So yeah, there you Have go. Have you read the Eric Larson one? Dave, so uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I am uh, finishing it up on uh, the audiobook right now. I've got maybe an hour left of it. So yeah, I've I've loved. It. I mean, I love anything from Larson, um, and uh, um, I, I I didn't. I mean, even though I I knew a handful of things about that period, uh, to, you know, a Battle of Britain time frame, I. I think it's fascinating to look at what was ordinary life like during that time. <laughs> and uh, um, how do you go about life when you're being bombed and with threat of invasion? There's there's certainly some parallels to what we're going through right now. If there's one thing that is clear is that uh, life certainly went on as much as possible. Now, <laughs> people could be together um, because bombing, for the most part, was happening at night as opposed to during the day. So a lot of businesses, they just would kind of shut down a little bit earlier and go off to the respective holes, more or less. Some didn't really go into any hole. They still kept life as much as possible. But but uh, but you, you've liked it, though, Dan? I haven't started it, but I want to start it. I've read the Andrew oh, Roberts right. one, which I highly recommend and I just love. Um, and anything Churchill, the movies, the books. So like mm-hmm. Eric Larson writing about Churchill is like a perfect storm of two of my favorite things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I was surprised because he picks stories that are not quite as well known mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, and brings them to light. But with this, I thought, oh, Churchill, interesting. I wonder why he's doing that. I mean, is there something new that we don't know? You know, that was my <laughs> first thing I thought to myself um and there's a lot uh I was, I was he has access to a lot of journals during that time that i don't think had been published or published widely uh which which tells a lot of that year I mean, because of what your average person was going through and and the, and the mind of churchill and other people around him beaverbrook and so on so it's fascinating yeah. so, all right we'll compare notes when you're done great awesome um Dan the man, thank you. Um, thank you. I cannot wait for a Cubs Cardinals series, even if it has to be in some sunny place yes. in the Southwest or in Florida or whatever this looks like. Or in a biodome. I, I would take anything. I know. Just just watch some uh, some baseball. So, but. And Scarlett, I'm continuing to not care about sports. I don't know about you. Yeah, I was just going to thank you guys for not delving too deeply into that mm-hmm. whole topic. <laughs> That's some good loving your neighbors right there. 
your podcast neighbors. Seriously. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Very kind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Off, All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we are, we're all done for today. So, um, listeners, you know what to do. Leave your sincere or insincere, as long as it's five star, we don't really care review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. And, uh, we will talk to you later. This is an area code podcast.